If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be focusing on verses 21 to 23 today, uh, but we're going to start in verse 19 just to make sure we catch the context. So this is Matthew 6, verses 19 to 23. Friends, listen. This is God's Word. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. This is God's Word. So friends, Jesus in this passage, is talking to us about money. He's talking to us about earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. And there are lots of people who get uncomfortable when the church talks about money. And I would say rightfully so, because there are churches, there are pastors who literally fleece their congregations and anybody that they can get their hands on to try to get as much of their money from them as they possibly can. And, boy, the challenge is, how do you talk about money without sounding like one of those people, right? And I think the answer is to just look at the words of Scripture, right? It's to say what Jesus says. It's to be able to look at it, explain it, and then apply it to our lives. And that's what we're going to do. Jesus is not like the people that try to fleece you. Jesus is not like the people who try to manipulate you into getting your money, okay? The reason that Jesus talks about money The reason he warns against the dangers of money is because Jesus knows how many people struggle going to bed worried every night about money. Jesus knows that people argue with their spouses over money. And so many people live in fear that they just will never ever have enough money. This is why Jesus talks about this, because Jesus wants to give us a perspective that will set us free. He wants us to be freed from being enslaved to money. Um, So many people are enslaved and yet don't think about it that way. And so this is why Jesus is addressing the subject of money. Now, last week we learned from verses 19 to 21 um, that there's this battle going on in our hearts, right? That money isn't bad. But the challenge is, how do we relate to money? And that's a heart issue, okay? It's not about money. And so Jesus gives us this invitation. In verse 19, he says, look, don't spend your life accumulating treasure on earth. But instead, spend your life accumulating treasure in heaven. Michael preached on this. He talked about what we treasure um, And I want to ask, like, how many of y'all applied the message from last week? How many of you identified the treasures in your life? I mean, I know I did this this week. You know, and as I looked through and thought about the things that I will readily spend money on or the things that readily draw me, some of those things were earthly and some of those things were heavenly. 
Um, and so again, so we're going to look even more. Um, last week, Jesus' point was, look, spend your energy and your time on accumulating things that will last. Earthly treasures don't last. Heavenly treasures do. Well, now Jesus gives us another reason to accumulate treasure in heaven. And it's this. It's this. Here it is. It's, Jesus says, what you see with your eyes will fill your lives. Okay? That's the point he's making here. What you see, what you gaze at, what you focus on with your eyes will fill your lives. Okay? This is the point that Jesus makes. What you notice, what you focus on, what you gaze at will begin to take over your life. Okay? This is what he says in verse 22. He says, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Okay? And so... There's this relationship, right? Last week, we talked about this. It's a relationship between your heart and your treasure. Okay? Your treasure is fleeting and your heart is holding on for dear life and, and, and getting dragged in the direction of your treasure. Right? So your heart is chasing after treasure. When it gets a hold of it, it doesn't want to let go. Okay? But what Jesus is saying here in verse 22 is that while your heart is chasing what you treasure, your eye fixes on it. And your eye is like a projector, okay, that projects images onto your heart. And what your eye focuses on will become emblazoned on your heart. So we have a friend who has a projection TV, okay, where they've got one of those projectors just like that, but they use it for their television, and it's really interesting because they said that what happened was that as they used it, they didn't really understand how to use it at first. And the, there became um, this image of the brand. So every time you turn the projector on, the brand of the projector comes up. And that image got emblazoned on to the head of this lamp. And so every time they turn it on, now you can see it really faintly. You can still watch TV, but you can see it really faintly you know, in the background. And, and that's what Jesus is saying here. The eye is the lamp of the body. Your eye will focus on whatever you treasure. Whatever you think is treasure for yourself, your eye fixes on it and emblazons that. It's like it's a self-replicating process. So your heart chases after your treasure and your eye keeps looking at it and it just continues to remind your heart that that's what you want, that's what you want, that's what you want. How can you get it? How can you get it? How can you get more of it? How can you get more of it? Right? This is the process that Jesus is describing. So he's saying, whatever you treasure, you will become consumed with it. Okay, this is the point that he's making. And it's interesting because with your eye, your eye is actually pretty powerful. Because your eye can gaze at treasures that you don't have. Okay? And we do this, right? We gaze at treasures that we don't have because... And now, I'm not talking either bad or good at this point. Okay? Jesus is going to talk about bad treasure, good treasure. But at this point, what we're talking about applies to everything. Okay? You can gaze with your eye at things you don't have. And we do this often. We do this. We gaze at things that we want because those things give us purpose and focus in our lives. Okay, you've got goals that you set, right? You might have career goals. You might have relationship goals. You might have personal goals. It, it's like um, one of the Olympic commercials where you see somebody, they've got their phone, 
and they're watching Michael Phelps break uh, the world record in the 200-meter butterfly, okay? And when the video's over, they look, they're, they're looking at this, they're gazing at it, and then they, they put their phone down, and then they go and write his time up on a piece of paper and put it on the bulletin board, okay? And then he stares at it, and then he goes and jumps in the pool. And so what's the message? I mean, the message is we have the coolest phone, I think. is what the, I think that's what the commercial is. Um, but, but implicit in what's going on is this person is focusing on a goal, on a either personal or professional, I mean, probably a professional goal to make the Olympics in four years and to beat Michael Phelps' world record. This person's life will be consumed by this time. This time will be a banner over everything that they do. They will make decisions based on achieving this goal, right? The eye is the lamp of the body. What you gaze at will end up controlling you. Okay, this is what Jesus is saying. Now, we don't just gaze at the treasures that we don't have, right? There are also times where we gaze at the treasures that we have. Okay, and we do this for good reason too, because when we gaze at the treasures we have, they give us satisfaction, right? They give us feelings of accomplishment, right? I have, I, I have this trophy because I did this thing, or my bank account has reached this level, and, you know, I don't want to go down to the bank to look at all my money, but I sure like seeing the balance, you know? Or you might look at your title in your company and think to yourself, hey, you know what? I've achieved this level, within my company, right? There's things that we gaze at that we have, and these things make us feel worthwhile. They make us feel worthwhile. There's reasons why um, we gaze at our treasures. And again, these could be good or bad. The point that Jesus is making is that your eye brands your heart. Okay? Your eye brands your heart. What you see with your eyes will fill your lives. So, let's look and see what Jesus has to say about the good treasure and the bad treasure. So, our first point is just gazing at earthly treasure. Let's see what Jesus has to say about that. So, Jesus says in verse 23, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So this word bad, where he says your eye is bad, this actually, this word could be translated as evil. Okay, so this isn't bad as in like you can't see. This is if your eye is evil, meaning if you look at, if you gaze at, if you focus on things that are evil, then your whole body will be filled with darkness. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if you are focused on earthly treasures then you have an evil eye. And he's saying your whole life will be filled with darkness. Now, with money, this happens. Doesn't it? I mean, this is the temptation. Jesus is spending, saying that if you spend your life accumulating earthly treasures, it will take over your life. Okay, If you want to make a million dollars just for the sake of being a millionaire, your life will become consumed by money and your pursuit of it. It will affect you. You will end up making decisions. And Jesus says that um, selfishness, control, and worry will end up characterizing your life. He says your whole body will be full of darkness. 
Now, I know for me, um, when it comes to money, my struggle isn't so much like a desire to get money, but where I struggle with earthly treasure, like the actual money part, is controlling what I already have. So I don't know if any of you can relate, but for me, I tend to obsess about how we're going to spend money. And if there are big purchases to make, then I feel like I can't make a decision unless I have an incredible amount of information. Like I, I feel like I need to know everything in order for me to know anything. Does that make sense? And what that does, that brings darkness, because until I have as much information as I think I need, I'm not very pleasant about the conversation. Right? Because I'm struggling, and I feel like this, oh man, what if I make the wrong decision? Right? What if we make the, you know, what, what if we choose the wrong provider? What if we buy the wrong model? What if we, you know, we need to, fit, you know, I mean, this is what, what, goes in, what goes on in my head. And it keeps me from trusting my spouse, right? It keeps me from letting go, and it, it just, it begins to consume me. And so, I mean, this is how I experience it. So money is definitely an issue, and it's part of what Jesus has to say. But, as the uh, famous Captain Jack Sparrow said in Pirates of the Caribbean, he said, not all treasure is silver and gold, mate. I mean, it's more than just money, I think, that Jesus' words apply to. You know, we think about, again, career goals, professional goals, personal goals. The Olympics can be an illustration of this. I mean, the point is that we can get consumed. Like, we set a goal, and sometimes that goal might be good. And there are good goals to set, and there are good things to be obsessed about. We'll talk about those here in a little bit. But uh, the point is that we can begin to make decisions that cut off relationships in our lives, relationships that God wants as a priority for us. We can make decisions to cut corners because the end begins to justify the means. And again, worry, anxiety begin to take over. And this is what happens to us. Um, another example, which is, a, I think, a good one, is just a chapter before. Again, this is the power of your eye. Okay, I want to try to convince you of this. Jesus puts something, um, I think, in good, just a good picture of this. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 27 and 28, he says, You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So I want you to see in Jesus' mind the relationship between what you see and what actually goes on in your heart. Jesus is saying that your eyes can be like sort of a workspace for your heart. Now, Jesus is not saying that it's exactly the same thing. If you look at a woman lustfully, oh, you might as well go ahead and sleep with her. Right? That's not what Jesus is saying. There's still a degree issue there. Um, but what Jesus is saying is that if you look at a woman with lustful intent, this isn't just women, this isn't just women, guys, guys, women, right? If you look at someone to lust after them, to long for them sexually, even emotionally, right? You're committing adultery. There is darkness that's being born in your heart. Darkness is being dropped into your heart because of what you see, because of what you focus on and what you gaze at. 
So for me, um, yeah, just to be honest, outside of money and this, um, my biggest earthly treasures tend to fall into the area of trying to please other people. Um, and we've talked about this in terms of idols of the heart before. Like my heart bows down to the approval of others. You know, there are times when um, there are times when I will not be who God wants me to be or where I will be tempted to change what I would normally say or act in a different way because I want somebody else to like me. Um, and this is, this is an area, of, this is darkness. Like for us, uh, for me, for me, because what happens is it's not about the other person, it's about me being liked. You know, if I was out to serve someone else and to care for their needs, well, that's one thing. But I'm actually just out for my own reputation. I'm out for my own desire to be liked, my own acceptance. And again, these are sources outside of money, um, where at least where I struggle um, with storing up earthly treasure. And I don't want to belabor the point, but I do think it's helpful for us to think through. There is this descending staircase, right? And Jesus makes reference to this. He says, again in verse 23, If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What Jesus is saying here is that there is this descending spiral into greater and greater darkness. That if we can understand, it'll help us see the impact of our gaze, of our focus in life. Um, I think that staircase, like the first step down in that staircase of deeper and deeper darkness is just selfishness, right? Think about it, just selfishness is sort of the beginning point of the darkness that begins to fill our hearts. Um, I visited the, uh, the Museum of Man's Torture Exhibit this week. I don't know if any of y'all have, have seen that, but um, it's really interesting because I think they've done a good job of not making it just a spectacle. And the whole beginning Peace, the whole beginning thing that you are confronted with as you walk in is something that the museum folks actually did themselves. The artifacts they brought in from outside, but they've done a good job of not just sensationalizing the history of torture, but they actually describe the factors that lead to the downward staircase that brings out the darkness in anyone. And so I want you to just look at this. Look at this and, you know, ask yourselves. You know, how far away am I from these things? Um, what produces darkness in us? Well, I think, again, it starts with selfishness. It's like, why aren't my needs being met? Right? That's kind of the beginning of it. And then it goes, you know, when you add anonymity, you know, hey, no one will know if I do this. It's like another step down into the darkness that ends up coming out of our hearts. Right? And then you got lack of accountability. When you begin to think, hey, I could do this and get away with it. Like either there's no one in my life who would call me on this, or again, related to anonymity, nobody's going to know that I did it. Like these are things that when they start to pile up in our lives, our hearts will go farther and farther into darkness. Um, Then self-justified anger. Like either because, well, I've suffered this much, so I'm lashing out now, or this person deserves it, um, adds to that. 
Fifth is power. I actually can do this. Like, I have the authority to do this. And as you begin, I think with number five, you begin to see how evil can become systemic. Because when you have the authority over other people, either in a family or in a community or in a company, um, you have authority to do greater evil. And then number six is knowing that others do the same thing. Right? This becomes, again, part of the self-justification process, why it's okay for you to go deeper into darkness. You know, other people have done it, so why can't I? And I think it's important for us to see a list like this. I mean, it's, it's depressing. I think the more you think about it, the more, you, the more depressed I get as I think about people who have these factors, especially have the power um, to then, and the lack of accountability. Um, it makes me depressed, but I feel like it helps us to understand why it is that sometimes we're capable of things that surprise us. You know, why we think thoughts that, man, would never ever come out of our mouths, or we consider doing things that we would never ever do. Um, I think it also helps us explain real tragedies, you know, like the shooting in Aurora. Right? How does that happen, people wonder. Well, I think there's a couple of factors. I think, I mean, in terms of this list... I mean, all of these things apply to that shooter. Um, and so it, it, it's, it is depressing, but it helps us to be able to at least understand the depth to which our world is broken and the depth of our lives sometimes being broken. Um, and for me... And I know for a lot of you, when you begin to think about how much the world is broken, it reminds you very quickly of how much the world needs a Savior. Because, folks, we can't fix this. We can't fix this by ourselves. We can't fix the broken places in our hearts. Oftentimes, in the midst of this, there's also real wounding that's been done to a person that maybe fits into you know, number four, the self-justified anger. Um, but there are often things that you know, we just we can't fix by ourselves. Our world can't get better by itself. And this is where I get so grateful. Because, friends, this is why Jesus came into the world. Okay, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But he came into the world that the world would be saved through him. Okay, Jesus came not to beat us up and make us feel guilty. Jesus came, first and foremost, to save us. To save you. And so I feel like Jesus talks about this darkness again. It's not to make us feel guilty, but it's just to remind us about how much we need him. And so our second point, after we gaze at earthly treasure, we need to gaze at Jesus. 
We need to gaze and fix our eyes on Jesus. We could say it this way, before we try to start laying up our treasures in heaven, we need to receive the treasure that came from heaven. Before you take a step in a direction of trying to do what Jesus says, you need to hear and receive what Jesus did. Okay, Christianity is not about you morally aligning your life with some set of rules. Christianity is about a God who loves the world so much that he entered the world so that he could save it. And this is the message of Christianity. Jesus entered into the world as God in the flesh. You have to understand this, because if you can understand this, this can help you when you think about him. He came into a world that he knew was dark, that he knew was broken. And he came and he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He came to save the world. His purpose in coming wasn't to leave behind a garage full of stuff. Jesus' purpose in coming into the world was to raise up an earth full of forgiven sinners. That's why he came. That's why he lived. And it's so interesting because in his life he brought light. He brought light in his teaching. Right? He taught people the way that leads to life. Right? So instead of spiraling down, gazing at treasure that doesn't last and brings darkness... Jesus began to redirect and he laid out a path and he said, if you walk on this path, you will have the light of life. Jesus didn't just teach, but he cared for people. He loved them. He understood them. He understood them in ways that nobody else did. He understands you in a way that nobody else does. He reaches out his hand to touch you so that you can know his healing power. He brings forgiveness to you. He offered forgiveness. But then, he didn't just come to shine his light to dispel our darkness. Jesus came and actually entered into our darkness. Okay, he didn't just enter into the dark world, but he actually entered into your sin and mine. And he took our sins upon himself when he died on the cross. The punishment that your sins deserve, the punishment my sins deserve, Jesus took on the cross so that you can look at Jesus and you can see in him a death that shows you how much he loves you. And then you can see in him a resurrection that shows that he is powerful enough to set you free. Can you see him? Can you see him in the cro- on the cross dying for you? Dying for your sin? Going into the blackness of death? It says that when Jesus was, was being crucified, that the sun was blotted out. That darkness came over the whole land of Israel. 
symbolic of what was going on in Jesus as he died. He was being treated as though he were a sinner because our sins were being put on him. And he was there willingly. The Bible says that it was, he was able to endure the cross because Jesus was spending that time gazing at you. On the cross, he had you on his heart. On the cross, Jesus had you in his mind. He had you emblazoned in his eyes. He was there so that you could be forgiven. So that he could overcome the darkness that has enslaved you to set you free. I mean, this is our Savior. Like, this is good news, folks. If you are lost in the darkness of earthly treasure, and the answer isn't to fix it and get right, the answer is to gaze at Jesus and see that He is the one who makes you right. Forgiveness means that when God looks at you, He sees you clean. We need to gaze at Jesus. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. So our last point. I'm not going to say after we've gazed at Jesus, because it's as we are gazing at Jesus that we also want to begin to gaze at heavenly treasure. This is verse 22. Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. It's interesting because the phrase full of light, actually, you could translate it radiant. Radiant. Jesus is saying, If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be radiant. What this means is that your eyes, as they gaze on heavenly treasure, will project that heavenly treasure image back onto your heart. It will emblazon heavenly treasure onto your heart. And even though your heart is inside, your light will shine so brightly that your body will be radiant. Do you know anybody like this? Somebody that when you see them, I mean, it's not physical light, but you see them and they just kind of have a glow about them. Right? Someone who seems to be so full of joy, so happy. I mean, and not that they're Pollyanna, not that they're disconnected, but they have a joy in the midst of their suffering. They have a joy, a happiness, a perspective where it seems like they're affected by the difficult things in life, but they're not overcome by them. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is what Jesus is saying. This is what he's holding out for us. If you would gaze at heavenly treasure, your life will begin to be radiant. And I think, well, so what are these heavenly treasures, right? And how do we do this? Well, 
think your heavenly treasures are the things that connect you back to God. Okay, the things that connect you back to God. The things that help you remember that God loves you, that God is actively involved in your life. The things that are you drawing near to God. This is what heavenly treasure is. So you want to think about spending time with God. Right? That's a heavenly treasure. Right? If you spend time with God, if you gaze at Jesus, right, that is time that you spend investing in something that will last forever. When we get there, when we see him face to face, no one is going to say, man, you know what, I really wish I hadn't read the Bible as much as I did. Right? And, and the point isn't, oh, you need to read the Bible because it's this rule thing. The point is, like, do you want to gaze at Jesus? Do you want to spend time looking at him, seeing what he's like, hearing again what he thinks, seeing how he relates to people, right? Understanding that he came, I mean, the picture the Bible gives us is that he came into this world that was covered in darkness, and he was this single light. You know, like if you were Google Earth and you were zoomed all the way out, like you couldn't even see it. All you could see is black. But if you zoomed in, you could see there's this one point of light. And that was Jesus, the light of the world. But then Jesus began to share his light with others. Right? And other people began to light up. Right? You got the 12 disciples. You've got the 70 you see in the Gospels. And you have the 120 after his death and resurrection. And that 120 began to shine their light. And soon, I think they say by the end of the first century, there were half a million people who had lights shining for Jesus in the world. Now, that's something you can see from space, right? When you understand that this is why Jesus came, and this is the mission that he was on, this is the mission that he has handed us. He's taken the baton of his message the baton of loving others, the baton of sacrificing and following in his footsteps, right? He's handed that baton in this relay race to the 12. They handed it to the 120. They handed it to someone who 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 handed it to you. That's why you believe. Because you're in this amazing marathon race that Jesus began. This is why we want to spend time with God. Because we need to remember that this is the mission. Right? We want to gaze at this Jesus. Just thinking about that overwhelms me. Right? Just gazing at that image of Jesus, handing it to the twelve, and just imagining as the baton gets handed, the light begins to shine in more and more places, and all of a sudden now here we are, as far from Israel as we possibly could be on the globe, and we're worshiping the same God. Moth can't touch this treasure. This treasure cannot rust. It never fades away. It belongs to you when you trust in Jesus. And Jesus is inviting us He's saying that if you will focus on 
God's mission for you, right? Focus on Jesus. Focus on treating other people the way Jesus has treated you, right? That Jesus has loved you and cared for you. Jesus has understood you, right? As you think about the way that Jesus (laughs) has loved you, he says here that that image will become emblazoned on your heart and your life will begin to be full of light. This is what he says. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says there, it says, but we all with unveiled face, it's like we take off the veil, we stare at the glory of the Lord shining in the face of Jesus. It says we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. As you gaze at Jesus, he's the one who changes your heart. Um, Last night I was talking to um, a mom who said that her son, who I think was eight or nine, had this amazing day where he wasn't complaining, wasn't frustrated, was just like perfect child all day long. She's like, what's gotten into him? His birthday wasn't coming up, nothing like that. And so she asked him, like, what's, hey, what's going on with you? And he just said, well, Mom, I've been praying, and every time I don't want to do something, I've just prayed, Lord, I don't want to do this that I'm supposed to do. Please help me. That's helpful. You can write that down. You can pray that. Lord, I don't want to do what I should. Please help me. As we gaze upon Jesus we remember what our heavenly treasure is and we become more like him. And so this works. Like, let your goals, let your focus be on Jesus' mission for you. Jesus loved the world, so you love the world. Jesus loves the church, so you love the church. Jesus loved his heavenly father, so guess what? Right? It's as simple as that. Love God, love the church, love the world. This is our mission. And when you don't want to, just go back to gaze at Jesus and let him renew in you that love. This has huge impact on the way that we spend our money, and I'll tell you about that next week. Um, but I want to close our time with um, just the stanza of a song Um, what's the song called? I don't remember what the song is called, but this is how it goes. This is one of the stanzas. It says this, The bride eyes not her garment. Okay, on her wedding day, the bride doesn't look at what she's wearing. The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace. Not at the crown that he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The Lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you came and saved us that you entered into the world and you died for the sins of the world. And Lord, we are tempted. 
we're tempted to go after earthly treasure. Lord, we're tempted to serve you even to get the heavenly treasure. But we don't want to look at your blessings, Jesus. We just want to look at you. We don't want to look at the crown or the gifts that you give us because all we can see is the nail-pierced hand that gives them to us. Showing us your love, showing us your care. Lord, we thank you. I pray that you would help us. Let this image of you be emblazoned on our eyes so they be branded on our hearts. This will change us, Lord. This will make us the kind of church you want us to be. Lord, we love you. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't been handed the baton, friend, it's being handed to you now. You can know this Jesus. You can receive him today if you would believe that he died for you. If you would trust him to forgive your sin, he'll forgive you today. Just pray with me. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have run after earthly treasures. I know that my life has been full of darkness. Please forgive me and give me your light.